This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Good morning. This is Talking Devils, the leading independent Manchester United podcast. I'm your host, Wayne Barton, joined by United legend Paul Parker to talk over um, well, the preview of the game against Bayern at the weekend and also the first game against Bayern Munich in the Champions League as well. Um, if you're watching live on YouTube or Facebook, feel free to get your comments and questions in. If you're watching the replay, Feel free to say hello and comment. We do reply to the comments we get. If you're listening back on the audio podcast, be sure to like and subscribe on the platform you're listening on and leave us a review as well on the platform you're listening on. Also joined by... um <laughs> in official capacity today. Um, Dave Murphy representing the club. Not quite. Uh, how are you doing, mate? You all right? I'm doing perfectly fine today. Um, I'm going to have to have a word with my... Uh wardrobe associates and make sure that next week um i'll have like a, maybe a spongebob t-shirt on or something yeah all right <laughs> that's what you want to do um and also joined obviously by paul parker united legend how are you doing paul are you all right yeah i'm good thank you wine you're gonna get um spongebob t-shirt for next week Nope, um, yellow's never really suited me, to be perfectly honest. Yellow and red, it's not a good mixture, is it, really? So Dave's got to really work on the fact of he might have a problem with his eyes with colour. Uh, hopefully uh, hopefully he does stop at red lights. Yeah, they're just suggestions. <laughs> He's a terrible driver, I can tell you that. Um, always, always driving on the wrong side of the road for some reason. <laughs> And he moved back home. He's still doing it. Um, all right. So obviously, we're going to be talking about um, United's game that's against Bayern and um, Brighton in the, in the forthcoming um, ten days or so. But we're going to start talking about the problems at the club and how they might impact United's um, approach going forward with um, Eric Ten Hag. Um, obviously, there's a bit of an injury crisis in the defence and. In the in the midfield as well, uh, there are other incidents, as we know, with Anthony. Um, and I'm thinking that maybe the formation might be impacted. But you know, as we've seen so far with Tenog, he has really favoured that four-three-three, and he's really gone down the road of square pegs in round holes to make that four-three-three work. And now we're approaching a time where he might not be able to do that because of the skill sets of certain players. And I'm thinking. Specifically, of obviously this absence of right-handed players that you know Sancho might come in there, but he has tended to play Bruno out there, and also there's the idea of where he's going to have to play Mason Mount when he comes back. Paul, obviously, throughout the majority of last season, he played this four-three-three system, and and it's worked. I mean, nobody I mean, the familiarity of it worked. He won as a trophy. There was definite tracks improvement. Um, you would think with great managers, there's some tactical flex- flexibility there. What we wanted to see is what we did see. We saw a team that looked like a team, a unit that looked like a unit. Uh, it looked like it had a shape rather than the last sort of five or six years before. We weren't always sure what we were going to get. At least we did get that. But now with the injuries and the, the other issues that we've got, you might think that we're going to have, it might become necessary to change it up a little bit. Is there anything in there from from the, the players that you've got 
in that front sort of area. So obviously the back four will stay the back four. You, you won't imagine that he'll move to a back three. Is there anything that you would imagine that he's going to be able to do with the players that he's got to... I mean, you would think it's going to be a narrower shape if he does move. Is there anything in, in those skill sets that you think might be an effective formation for United? Well, I think first and foremost, I think Reguilón's got to come in at left back. There's been enough time. I think you have to get a bit of balance on that left side. If you're going to have Marcus Rashford out there, I think you need a left foot. You need a. You can't play two right right footed players. Not not unless Dennis is going to come out of retirement. To be perfectly honest, so um, that's that's one of the things you look at to get balance. It's a word that's used by a lot of people, but I think it's especially on the left hand side makes such a difference to get in to get in wider areas. Somebody who can actually go round overlap, as we say, and maybe deliver with their with the left foot, crossing in from behind people if, as often as possible. Um, but you look at if you look at it as a front three, you'd look at Hoyland starting. For me, you'd, to play in the same way, I think there's the person he has to give a, a young player the opportunity to start a game of football and give him a run. Now, I think we we have talked about this. I'm sure about Anthony and about saying the way he has been playing. But I think the young the young lad the story Palestri. Palestri, thank you. I think he needs a start. I think he's earned the right. Every time he comes on, he causes problems. He's got a never-say-die attitude. When he does get around behind people, he crosses the ball. You know, an early cross, doesn't matter how it comes in, is definitely better than a late great cross because by then, sometimes, people are giving up making the runs and they're static. But you just know, especially now, there's a natural centre-forward there. He's going to make runs. If he believes that someone's going to cross the ball early or someone's on seen an opportunity to cross it, even you know, they're on their strongest foot. He can use his left foot and he will use it. While the other fella, Anthony, won't use his right foot. So I think that's the way for him for him to go if he wants to play that system. His biggest job in the in coming up the weekend is who is he going to play in that midfield? He's made a yeah. signing which everybody wants to see and everyone is believing him because he should have been there at the start of pre-season, but it's Manchester United. So what you want, you know, you virtually go out shopping and you you virtually you go there with your bags and you come back disappointed because all you've done is window shop and every manager's done that. When they've had a decent even even Mourinho, he won a he won the Europa League, and you're thinking like every fan, you suddenly think, can't wait for the start of the season because of this, everything's gonna start right, and bang, it hits. You just hit the railings because you can't do anymore because of the way things work out, the way you can and can't buy players as a Manchester United player. So it stopped it. And he's had exactly the same ten hog. He's found it, which I thought to myself, this ain't going to happen this time. It's going to be, this is decent. Finished the season, yes, with a trophy, an FA Cup final, but you could just see that the bits were missing in your fall. He's going to get this sorted from what he'd done before in his last window. And all of a sudden, someone's just gone bang, put the ratings down, stopped him doing what he wanted to do. He ends up getting a player, which I believe, and I think everyone believes he wanted. The problem is now he's got that player on loan rather than him being his own player. He's got him on loan, which I don't know how that works out, but if they do take him on, could it come that he'd be more expensive after being a loan and then becoming a Manchester United player? But he's got, he has to start with him. Um, and, and as I mentioned, Reguilón, because I think it it gives the fans a lift. We're playing against Brighton. It was embarrassing last season. And that ain't been disrespectful to Brighton because Brighton are a good side. Um, so I think that he needs to give the fans a lift. And you have you start with Amrabat and you start with Reguilón so people can see that it's something a little bit of forward thinking. It needs freshening up. Mason Mount is going to be fit. What's he going to do there? There's a lot of questions and what's he going to do this midfield? All of a sudden now, because things ain't going right for Casemiro and Eriksson, uh, the legs have gone, which is an incredible statement, which football fans keep saying when a player, when things ain't going right for a player, one is, oh, he's tired, or, oh, his legs are gone. He's left, yeah. he's left, it, he's left it all at Real Madrid. We saw that. We knew that was going to happen. He was too expensive. Eriksson, oh, he had that. Shouldn't have, shouldn't have got him because of this, because of that. But maybe it's the fact of the players around them are not helping them 
to the point of getting showing their strengths in the game. And both of those players, Casemiro and Ericsson, rely on the team that are brave enough to take the ball on. And then they'll be even braver and keep the ball and do things with it. And until such time he gets the right personnel on that pitch, it isn't going to happen. And that's why I think the lad on the right will add energy, a desire to go past people on the outside. He definitely 100% will track back with more purpose than Anthony because he will be more disciplined in the way he does it. Playing in front of um, Aaron Wan-Bissaka will, will be a plus as well. Two workaholics on that side. Are you, you're, gonna, you know, you're not going to get any artistry or anything like that as such. It just both of them work, but honest players. And there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. But Amrabat in that midfield, and then what is going to be the best way to play that midfield? You're going to have Casemiro and you're going to have Fernandes. But for me, I still like the idea of Ericsson. But how are you going to, how are you going to play that system and get Ericsson and get the best out of him now in the current climate? And Fernandes, you know, you just, you just put your arms up and you just hope that everything starts well for him and then you know you've got a player. And that's how it is with him, to be perfectly honest. And that's what makes him what he is. I don't, you can't be any way now. He's of that age. You're not going to change him. You know, so I don't know how the manager's going to go about that. So if I'm reading what you've you've sort of put forward, right? So you'd have Casemiro, um, Bruno, because Bruno's obviously going to start because he's a captain, Amrabat. So that's midfield, Palestre, Hoyland and Rashford. Even I though think so. You want you want to find a place for Ericsson, but that would be how you'd start. But that's that's how I would start. That's how I would start against. That definitely gives you. You got two players with good energy in Fernandez and Amrabat, but then you've got and you've got Amrabat and Casemiro, who you can you can trust in a certain way that are going to try and do the right things with the football. Like I said, with Bruno, with Bruno, it's kind of you're there, you're juggling, you don't know what you're going to get. But you know that if you can get the team playing right, Bruno Fernandes comes into his own. It's only when United are disjointed and getting over, you know, getting outplayed, then there's a problem comes with him because he then starts getting frustrated when things don't go right for him. Then he gets frustrated with other players and he shows his frustration, as we all know. And if he doesn't start right and get right early against Brighton, I believe the fans, and I think you know it, Wayne, will get very tetchy because Brighton have been there the last couple of times. I think there's one of them where Lewis Dunn got sent off and they were totally outplaying then, outplaying Manchester United then when he got sent off. And United got away with that one. And then last season, it all come out and it just showed out, you know, we knew how good they were. But I think you have to get that bit sorted out and get the fans on your side. It needs really, first of all, getting the right players on the pitch. And then it's about get it's about getting hold of it and being better in possession. Never going to out, never going, never going to outpass Brighton. I don't mean that. It's not going to happen at this moment in time. But what you need is to make sure when you do get the ball, is that you're doing something positive. The centre forward will be a massive positive, and I forgot him. That's the third positive. Region, Hoyland, and Amrabat will get will just lift the fans initially. They'll get behind it. But then it's up to the players to start in the right fashion is the best foot forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, some good comments coming in here. Chris um, says, morning, morning, Chris. Hope you're doing well. He says he's going to the game on Saturday. Um, with the Anthony thing, if Greenwood wasn't bad enough, we can't keep having this. It could affect the players too. We're going to talk about Anthony today because it's an ongoing process. Uh, what I will say is that um, obviously the news this weekend has been that, you know, he's on a leave of absence and actually spoken on social media so that he's staying in Brazil to uh, remove the controversy and stuff like that to sort of keep the limelight off his um, off, off the players and to keep the attention on himself, which I think is a decent thing. Um, but we'll, we'll see how that all transpires. And Johnny says, agree with Mr. Parker, giving you a formal address there. And seeing Reglon and Amrabat would show a positive look. Um, it's a funny thing because um, it's about the one-year anniversary of um, 
of Casemiro's debut or his first start, I think, against Real Sociedad. I commented, you know, Facebook is the, the land of your private thoughts or semi-public thoughts, the ones that you post on Twitter and Instagram about games. You go, like, you complain and grumble a bit more on Facebook. Well, the anniversary came up and I had said something along the lines of Casemiro looks, he looked to be a leggy against Sociedad, but that was because we were playing Fred as a false 10. <laughs> which I mean is its own problem but um, the the point was that Casemiro wasn't in his sort of normal role he was having to do too many things and I think perhaps United have, or the United's players have got so comfortable with how good he is that they are not um, helping him out as much as they can because I mean obviously when he grew into his, his former season the players won the player of the season awards but Casemiro was the biggest difference in the team alongside Martinez in the way that they impacted United's capability to play and control a game of football uh, that they always did, but their capability to it was massively improved. Um, so, yeah, I, I still have to say I'm not in the le- his legs are gone camp. I think there's plenty more from Casemiro. Um, Dave, from Paul's um, theory there, he's he's inclined to stay with that 4-3-3 that, um, that Tenorg has deployed and, and the you know the players that he's he's listed there seem like a sensible option to start with against against Brighton. A team who are going to have loads of energy. Um, we'll we'll preview the Brighton game um, more properly in a minute. But in terms of the formation that United are going to use over this sort of like next month or so before the next international break, do you think that Tenorg will persist with what he's got um, and, and not be tempted to change it up? I mean, you talked about the players there. From what Paul was saying, as a starting eleven, you don't have Ericsson and Mount in, and and that's where I was thinking maybe you go with a narrower shape to put those guys in. But yeah, Hoyland's got to play because he played so well against Arsenal in the cameo, and, and Rashford's bound to play. So there's gonna, you know, it's it's about Palestri and, and what you do with the midfield. Then, um, what what would you be inclined to do? Or what do you think yeah, Tenog's yeah. inclined to do? <clears throat> I, I mean, if, if we want to, if we want to go into this game in a positive mode and 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 have a chance of, and it's it's kind of, you know, it's was hard. we're saying this, but then Brighton beat us at home last last season, and then we went two 0 down the Forest in our last home game. But if we want to, we want to start on the front foot. I think that 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 six to three and three is what I would go with, um, right out of the gate. Balestri, I'm I'm a big fan of his. I I. He could, like Paul said, he comes on and he, he just changes games. He he gives a bit of excitement. He's not afraid to go after players. He's not afraid to track back, um, and he's got he's got a pretty good cross on him as well. I like the kid. I think he's very very intelligent for someone that's so young. Um, I mean, I'm I'm sure at this point, and I'm sure we'll we'll talk about this later on as well. But I I'd, I would imagine Sancho now with the whole Anthony thing. Sancho's kicking himself because there was an ideal opportunity for him to come into the team, um, even though he'd be on the right. Um, but uh, Ericsson for me uh, was fantastic last season. I really believe that. But I just don't think that he's a starting eleven uh, at this moment in time, especially with the player we brought in with Amrabat. I'd go with Amrabat, Casemiro, and Bruno. Um, I think Ericsson's a great player to bring off the bench because when things are just not going right, and if, if we get into the 70th, 80th minute, and it's still you know nil nil, one one, two two, whatever. A player like Ericsson is the player you want to be bringing onto that pitch because he can just he just has the sweetest passes. He he can unlock defenses, um, and he's got a pretty good free kick on him. So, uh, for me, Ericsson I think is a very very good player to bring off bring off the bench uh, when we're in those tricky situations. But Hoyland is the guy that that I'm really looking forward to, and and I believe to get the best out of him, we have to go wide. And um, I don't think narrow play is going to suit him. Um, but I, th- I think the, st- the team that, that Paul had mentioned would be the one that I would start with too. we got to start with it. Um, and I think Ten Hag will. I think he, he's going to want a reaction. You know, uh, I know we'll talk about Arsenal as well, but, you know, the scoreline flattered Arsenal last week. And um, I think, you know, it deserved a hell of a lot more out of that game than what we got. So I think Ericsson, or sorry, Ten Hag has to go into this game f- front foot forward. Just go for it. You know, we... we <laughs> Like I said, we went two 0 down against Forest. Uh, we came back to three two, which was which was a great resilience to come back. Um, but I do believe we got to just go all out against Brighton. They're a very very good side. Um, fingers crossed, Ferguson doesn't play because he's on a high as well after that hat trick against Newcastle. Um, 
but I do believe that that six, uh, the the three in midfield, the three up top, is is our best chance uh, of winning this game, and it and it gives Hoyland the the service that he needs. I really believe that. So, yeah. what do you think about? I mean, Garnacho then because he's gonna, he's probably got a, a, a much fairer chance of a much fairer shout of starting than Pelestrian. I know, yeah, all right, it's not ideal playing Rashford from the right. In fact, not ideal is. Um, a massive overstatement, really, because you wouldn't want Rashford playing from the right at this moment. He's obviously much better from the left. Would you be tempted to go go Nacho from the right? I wouldn't. I would. I would be. I would prefer <laughs> if Garnacho is going. I'm sorry. Did you say me or Paul? I'm sorry. You know, you first. I'll cut Paul in a sec. All right. Sorry about that. Um, Garnacho's biggest strength is the left. Um. I think if Rashford hadn't scored that cracking goal last week, I would be I would be pointing for Garnaccio to be playing on the left. We, we have a dilemma uh, with Garnaccio right now. Um, I personally believe he should be in the team. I think he should be playing out on the left, but that's at the sacrifice of a player that scored 30 goals last season. Um, yeah. But for me, if we want to keep the progression of Garnaccio in the direction that we believe he can go in, he has to start more games. And if that means sacrificing Marcus Rashford, I'm sorry, but I'm I'm on that side of the fence. I think we have a we have a a, a potential world beater in Garnaccio. He just gets better and better and better. Um I mean the composure for that goal last week and uh, the onside goal um last week was was phenomenal. We need to nurture that. And I don't think we're gonna be able to nurture it by 10, 15 minute appearances from the bench. Yeah, Paul. Um, interesting thoughts from Dave. Um, I know you were keen to speak there on on Garnacho. So, so what are your thoughts on on what you would do with him? But Dave's saying he would favour him over Rashford, but it's a big talk. You know what I'm going to say when I what I mean when I say this. Like it's a football, big political football problem if he drops Rashford because Rashford was so good last season. You don't just drop a player who scored thirty goals. He's the poster boy of United, really. Um, and you can't just drop him from the team. You've got to, you know, you're not going to drop Rashford ahead of all the other players. You know, I mean, then you would have a social media stick on your hands. And Rashford would have a point, to be fair. He's not played poorly enough to get dropped. But it, is, it reminds me a little bit, you're going to hear this comparison, but a little bit like yourself and Gary Neville. You weren't playing poorly. Gary Neville just came in and got his opportunity. Do you know what I mean? And, and then he took it and went and you can't stop time. And Rashford's not old or injured, or in his, he's not a veteran or he's injured. Do you know what I mean? So he's got yeah. over to grumble with. But I mean, where do you stand on this? It is a conundrum, and it's not really. People would say it's a, managers love having these kind of problems, but I don't think that this is one that they are well. Going to your bit about with Neb is that I look at it, and when I made my debut. As a kid at 17, I made it on the back of someone else's misfortune of being injured. Not because maybe the manager at the time thought I was better. It was off the back of a player's misfortune. And generally, that's how it happens. It doesn't happen that often that a manager has got summer playing ready and he makes that change for a younger one because he says, oh, he's better than you. You know, it's generally off a misfortune. But just going what Dave was saying, I would, at this moment in time, I would... Have Ganacho as as an impact player. His best has always been as an impact player. And saw that bit, you know, it's just it's just the way he is. I at this moment, when he's had his games and he's started, he hasn't done well enough. And I look at the game against Wolves, Samedo, it was easy. Samedo had him and it was easy for him. Samedo was causing massive problems on that right hand side. His tracking back wasn't good. I don't think, and I've said this many times. I don't think Luke Shaw is a very good communicator. He had a young player in front of him, never talked to him. I think the, um, there was a, on too many occasions, Wolves broke into that gap. Um, there was times against Arsenal last season. Um, Luke Shaw was defending on the corner in the six-yard box and Ganacho was playing in front and was up, you know, wasn't bringing him to, say, stop the ball going to Saka's feet. That's what you do. You know, none of us want to run, so you save yourself by saying to your wide player, I don't care if you don't come goal side, but don't let the ball go to my man's feet so he gets a run. Luke Shaw didn't do that, didn't help him. But I look at the other side is that 
when I look at it, I think the other lad I talked about, Palestri, is is cleverer. And I think he can do that. He can he will go and do that naturally. And that says and that says a lot to me. And I think he's earned the right to get a few starts. It's Gonacho did. He earned the right. I just don't think he's taking it on Wayne, to be honest. Yeah. That's, that's a fair point, actually. I think that it's funny when you, you look at, and I, I'm definitely guilty of it in this comparison, where I'm saying go natural to start. The the point is that I'm basing that off what he did off the bench against Arsenal, and you're quite right. His starting, form, starting performances haven't been great. So, yeah, it's a, it's a fair call. Um, well, preview, Brian. I'll come to you first on, on this one, Paul. Um, I have, Dave, I know will grow as soon as I say this. Um, I think they're the, the best team to watch in the league. Um, Dezebre has done incredible things. Dezebre as a manager. Um, they are still capable of a capitulation, though, as we've seen. You know, West Ham showed that, but they still had to do that economically. They had to do it, um, you know, winning winning the game and, and not having much of the ball. They are a team who do turn it on in big games. And I, I look at their um their progress since they've been in the Premier League poll and that it's just incredible. Like I can't think of you know, yeah, United under um Ferguson have been managed perfectly and Stoke under Tony Pulis were managed perfectly for a while and so were um you know, Arsenal under Wenger, they they really progressed. But I look at Brighton now, I look at how they've been managed in terms of, they first came into the Premier League a few years ago. And I remember we had Mourinho as manager and Chris Uton was would have been their manager and they were so difficult to play against when they first came up. And then um Potter took charge and you're thinking, why did they get rid of Chris Uton? You know, even then it's like a, a strange one, but Graham Potter took them to another level. And then since they've changed manager again, they've gone up again. And, and you know, the capability to replace the players is incredible. It remains to be seen how that will um, transpire over the full season. But the early signs look good in the way that they're playing football so far. It, it's, it's much the same as we could expect. Um, so what are you expecting from when they come uh, to Old Trafford on, on, on the weekend? First of all, the Chris Hewton one was... <coughs> Was um, it did baffle a lot of people, a lot of people, um, but um, he kind of got caught up in it, and the, the the ethos that was given to him was to keep Brighton in the Premier League. That's all it was. That's what he's got to do. The problem was that the owner at the time maybe didn't have the the funds what he was looking for, and he found the funds, so it allowed him to change it to where it is now. But Chris could do that. Chris made them. They were. They were negative. And as we know, there's a reason why creativity is so expensive because it's difficult. Destroying is far easier than to create. And Chris could destroy, you know, that way. And most of us could set out to destroy a team. But you're asking a team to create on a regular basis. It's very, very difficult. Arsene Wenger added a bit of that when he arrived, a different way of managing a team. And, you know, the way they went. And we've seen the way Brighton have gone now. And, and so they changed it from Chris and it was a shame, but you can see the way they stepped on, but it's the way the club completely changed their mindset and how they wanted to play their ethos, whatever you want to call it. And that's why they got Graham Potter in and he, he worked in. He was easy to work with because all he had to do was man manage a team in a fashion and play in a certain way so they could go out and get the right players to play in that system. And Graham done that. Then Deserby's come in and he's just showing that side of grit. And now where before Brighton were a good football team. And if they go and all of a sudden they'd have they'd have 25 shots to year to year five, but they still end up getting beat one nil. And every time everyone go, it would, oh, we were so unlucky, this and that. Deserby's changed that now. They 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 pass with a purpose now. You watch it, every time they pass, there's an objective to go beyond. It's not square and backwards and all the No, they go bang and they, and they are relentless, as you saw against Newcastle. I mean, you saw it against West Ham, but the difference is that was them of old where they just wasn't getting the rub of the green. Don't remember as well, the keeper, Ariola was fantastic as well. Absolutely yeah. fantastic against West Ham. But they are, and I, you know, and I love watching Brighton. And when you, when you see them play... Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Play live, especially down at their ground and you watch them live and you're at that level, that just above the pitch level and you're watching them and it's just incredible, their movement and the way they're, pa- they're passing and they're virtually passing like that just to give them more purpose to get forward. So where I might and other players might pass out there, they're virtually saying... We want it there so we can go that way. And that's, that's around in their f- defending thirds. And that's what yeah. they do. And, and it's having a manager who's virtually saying, as long as you're making the right decision, I'm going to, I'll back you. I'll back you if you make it. It might be your execution. Brian McClare was the best at that. Brian McClare would try and do something. If it didn't come out, it didn't work out for him, he'll try and do it again because he believed it was right. It used to annoy the boss though, but that's how chalky was. And the boss was like that with um, with Ryan Giggs. You, you, Ryan goes one against one. Ryan's got one against one. Ryan passes it. The boss goes crazy because you wanted Ryan Giggs one against one. When Ryan tried to beat three or four, the boss would go crazy because he wanted him to pass it then because he's dragged three players with him as players of that ilk did. Yeah. So um, Brighton as a team are, as we saw in, in the um, in the semi-final, what's the semi-final, wasn't it? It yeah. was the semi yeah. Saw him in the semi-final. I keep forgetting I went to Wembley so many times in a short space of time. Um, and you know, that they totally really in a way they it was incredible the way they shifted it about. But United gave a, a really good, solid performance, especially in that second half of the um of the extra time. And they were the yeah. better team in the, in that period of time, Manchester United. So for me, Brighton. Like you, Wayne, I, I, I love watching them play. I love what they go out and do. I enjoy watching them more than what I do Manchester City. Yeah. You know, because of where everybody, where everyone's come from. And then when I saw at the end of last season, the way they they ripped apart City at their, you know, at their stadium, they ripped them apart. It's just it's fantastic for the way they've gone and done it. And that's why they're so, I think, respected by everybody in football, the way they've gone about it because it hasn't cost them fortunes and they're making millions out of it. What a great way to be. Yeah. Um, and says, I think Brighton are one of those system teams, a bit like Ajax. It's a credit to them for building it. But when players leave, they tend not to fit other systems, um, which is a fair point. Um, Dave, um, Brighton, you know, you're going to come and mock me for enjoying watching them play because they don't always win. Um, oh, you're a bit brutalist like that. Uh, what, what are you expecting? Because they've always done well at Old Trafford. They've had a really good record at Old Trafford. Well, I think, to be fair, a lot of teams have had a really good record at Old Trafford in the past couple of years. Um, uh, yeah, I think you're, I think you're low for Brighton. Uh, I'm surprised you haven't started a new podcast with Brighton these days. So, um, I'm just kidding. Um, listen, Brighton have done a phenomenal job. Anyone that watches and loves football can see that. Uh, but I think it's, uh, you know, it, it is a lot like when Leicester came up, you know, very well-run club, um, went on to win the league, you know, which was absolutely phenomenal. Um, but I think I think there's a there, there's also a time scale on, on when clubs like that go through that period and then come out to their side. I, I miss, listen, I like Brighton. I think as a club, they're very well-run, they're very well-managed. Um, but I'm, I, I, don't, I don't buy into the fact that um, and I think Dan has hit the nail on the head. Um, they they produce some very very good players for their system. Uh, I haven't seen many of their players leave and and become even better. So uh, there's there's also that. Um, I'm a little bit. I don't know. I, I think I would have been a lot more nervous playing Brighton uh, if we didn't have the opportunity 
to bring in two or three new players on uh, to make their debuts this weekend. I think, as Paul said earlier on, that's going to lift the crowd. It's going to lift the team. It's going to lift the club. And I think that's what we need because every day is bad news day at the moment at Manchester United. So uh, Brighton coming to Old Trafford. Anyone coming to Old Trafford, I mean, uh, Paul has witnessed to this many, many times. They they lift their game. You know, they completely lift their game coming to Old Trafford. It's a, it's a massive point or three points for them if they can get it. Uh, so I don't expect anything uh, less than a very, very competitive game against Brighton this weekend. But that said, I think with the new signings, if Ten Hag brings them in, I do expect us to. Uh, I do expect us to win on Saturday. But that's not taking anything away from Brighton. You know, I, I'm not as vested in them as 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 uh, you know a lot of people there, uh, especially on this podcast, um, are. Um, <laughs> uh, but I think they are a fantastically run club. But I, you know, Dan, I, I go back to Dan's point. It is a very valid point. They have some very, very good players in a very good system at Brighton. Um, but the proof is when they leave. And Ajax are the same. I mean, the, I know we could point to, you know, uh, maybe a handful of players that have left Ajax and done really, really well down the years. But a lot of the players, more so when they leave Ajax, they don't really take it up a level or two. We've had a few of them ourselves. You know, David Blaine, we've had uh, Van der Beek, I mean, people like that. Um, but, yeah, they, they are a very, very good run club. I'll, I'll give it that. But I do find that at times um, they they do tend to implode. And when you look at the West Ham game at home, that was one of them. So I'm hoping that they bring that to, uh, to Old Trafford this weekend. So. Yeah. Um, wishful thinking you'll get a good Brian performance, I'm sure. I'm sure because I, you know, I'm such a big fan. Uh, all right, well, you're on, you're on to a, you're you're on to a winner this week. You can't lose. You know, your first favorite team and your second favorite team are going to play each other. So, well, there, there's nothing wrong with being fond of as a footballer of another team. Who, who like you know, like Paul said, the better watch than than stay. They play football in the right way. Like the way that they play yeah. in defense, I think is the is the thing um, that that really you know they're so proactive with that. Um, before we move on to Bayern, we do have a comment for, for Paul. I'll get on to in a second. Uh, Patrick says, Great to see you all after what's been a long few weeks of bumpy starts off the pitch stuff and anti United guff. Yep, absolutely. Um, I'm hope, definitely hoping for more positive stuff on that regard. Let's um, get back to football. Tenar can make a difference where it really matters. And says, Wayne Brighton. Um, <laughs> Is is as bad as all of my jokes to be. Love fair. it, love it. Um, Stuart asks Paul, quick question for you, Paul, uh, before we move on to the Bayern preview. Did you ever change your position in games due to your interpretation of how the match was going, as opposed to what the gaffer wanted? I guess with Ferguson, it'd be a big fat no, but maybe the managers. Um, did Did you ever do that? I think I'll go with what you said. Not a chance. You you did it. I knew exactly where I should be. I didn't have to do much more because there was a, a very good front six in front of me. So I did what I thought I did best was just to defend. It's as simple as that. In that way, I would never would wouldn't have just kind of take it upon myself to go into there because I felt that I could have made a difference in there. And I yeah. think the other lad, I think the other lads around me would have told me exactly the same as well. And everyone, you know, you get your key players who can go and do that. But, you know, I had, like, there was a job. And I think that was a, no difference to the back four I played in. We was all very much, that was our jobs. The rest of them in front of us, they're the ones who are going to make things happen. Yeah. Um, well, let's hope that we're making things happen in the Champions League, Paul. The first game is going to be Bayern Munich away with Harry Kane. Harry Kane started life there very well. Um, Bayern, one of the most intimidating prospects outside of um, English football, at least. You know, English football you would expect to dominate the Champions League again, but Bayern are one of the teams who can um, certainly upset the apple cart there. And with Kane, um, definitely look at the real deal. They always look like the real deal anyway, but certainly with Kane, um, they look at a different proposition. The worst game in the group. Is it better to start like that or is it better to get points on the board? I mean, if United come away with the draw from this one, Paul, you're going to think they've done very well. I mean, um, would you prefer to start in this fashion or would you prefer to have like points on the board and go there later in the group? I think you might be better just grabbing them early before it gets going in certain ways. Depends, you know, I think everyone's going to have their own opinion about it. But we must say, though, is that 
the one thing now, look at German football, is that United are going to score goals. The Germans, as club and country, don't defend well at all. I mean, they had Lenandowski for ages. He was scoring loads of goals for them, but they were conceding so many. They've still got this idea, and they, and they follow their idea is what they take as club level. They'll is mirrored by international. The club level mirrors what they do internationally, and it's to play high lines. And that's it's high lines. When you look at Werner, Chelsea signed Werner. And my boy turned around and said to me, Werner will be useless at Chelsea. I went, don't be silly. Look at the goals he's scoring. And he goes, because because all his goals, he, he's having six chances a game. He's just running through one-on-ones all the time. And we saw that when he came to Chelsea, one against one, he was poor. He had a bad time. Could have been the curse of the number nine at Chelsea, but still he struggled. So I think German football is nowhere near what it is. And when you see the Germans the other day getting beaten at home so easily by Japan, the goals they conceded were disgusting. So... It's a, you know, when we talk about Manchester United by Munich, we have to live in that world of what it was, you know, during, you know, during Sir Alex's time. Not, not now. The German, as as clubs and as country, they, you know, they, they need again to go go back into the classroom and start again. So this is to play them now for me is as good is as good a time as any. And the only thing you can talk about is that they've got Harry Kane. That's all you talk about really, just to add a little bit to it. But you, I don't think you can build this game as it would have done many moons ago about Manchester United v Bayern Munich. That's me. That's just my humble opinion about it. And, you know, this is the best type, best side in Germany. It's proven by every time. They won the league, luckily, last season, really. Just, you know, very fortunate in the way Dortmund finished. Dortmund just had a blip on the final oh, day when yeah. going... They were going great guns. It just had a, a massive blip. Maybe it got to a few of the players. So they've, they've tried to guarantee that they can win the league by getting themselves an, another out-and-out goal scorer is what they had in Lenandowski and hope it worked that way. But for me, where before, you know, worry about United's form against against Bayern Munich, I wouldn't be that worried. As Well, it could be. There's more worrying games in the Premier League than what there is playing Bayern Munich. Yeah. Interesting. I, I do. If I have a, a concern over that, I think that United sometimes do play names and not um, forms. You know, they, they will tend to like be overawed by what they come up against some of United's players. Um, but you know, hopefully, hopefully, your your prediction is right. I do remember like the the five one against England like twenty two years ago caused a massive reset in German football, and yeah, the Japanese defeat is similarly catastrophic. Um, David, it's a funny one with, with Bayern because United obviously got this long, long history with Munich and we didn't play Bayern until the 98-99 season when we played them three times. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, And that's like four years after the um, 30, years after the disaster. 30? 30 years, sorry. Uh, 40, my maths is way off. 40, 41, 41 years um, after the disaster. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I didn't obviously not my strong point this morning. Um, numbers are hard, kids. Numbers are hard. Uh, what can I say? So, I mean, but yeah, um, Paul's quite right. You know, Bayern have got this tradition, and we've been through obviously the first we, we play them like two or three times in a few seasons, and then you know, they had their reputation, we had our reputation, and we played them in David Moyes' season, and we were a different kind of reputation. The Van Gaal game as well, where we were battering them 3 nil, and then Rafa got sent off, and, and they came back to lose, but qualify through away goals, and then obviously there was the, the one where Evra scored the screamer, and um, and then they went on to eliminate us. The best sort of 60 seconds of David Moyes' era um, gone in a flash. But it is a, probably it's a different Bayern team. It's a, definitely a very different United team. I do think United tend to go some places and, and play the reputation and the name rather than, as Paul's saying, the, the, the phone book, because it's, yeah, perhaps nothing to be feared on that regard. And, you know, United should go there and have strengths that will exploit their weaknesses. Um, what are you expecting to see next week? Um, I mean, I think Paul hit on it there earlier on. There's, there's two different types of Bayern Munich that can show up. One that can concede an absolute boatload of goals. And then there's the other one where, you know, 
they just they just dig in and and get a result. I think getting them first is probably the away from home is probably the the best start we can hope for. Um, because we get them at both ends, we get them at you know away uh, away the game one and at home in game six, and hopefully by game six we're already through. We've got that you know that that famous nine points that Berg used to said you need in the group stage to get out. Um, I think it's I think it's probably the it's it's a tough start, but it's probably best having that at right at the very beginning. Uh, Bayern are certainly not the team that they were four, five, six years ago. Um, but with Harry Kane, um, you know he's he's one of the top strikers in the world. Um, I'm still I'm still disappointed we didn't make an effort to buy him. Maybe we did, but you know he's obviously playing for Bayern now. Um, and I, I, you know, the only thing that concerns me a little bit is is that you know. Uh, Albatross hanging around our neck, and that's our waveform. Our waveform is absolutely shocking under Ten Hag. Um, so going to Bayern, I mean, it's very early in the season as well. That said, they've won their first three games. Um, but you know, winning your first three games in Germany is like winning your first fifteen as Celtic in 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 Scotland. You know, there's no real, there's no real level there. Um, let's be honest. You know, Dortmund should have won the league last year. They didn't. Um, Bayern are just, you know, you, you're. You're in a you're in a league where you're you know eighty to ninety percent chance of winning it. So they're definitely not the team of old. They're in definitely not the team of a couple of years back. Lewandowski uh, and I think Kane cover will cover over a lot of the cracks that they have. It'll be an interesting game, and if we come away with a point, I'll be very happy with that because then our follow up games are two home games, which we should expect to get six points out of them as well. So um, I think the draw was. Uh, I think the draw was favourable to us um, in the fixtures that we get them at both ends because by the time we meet them again at Old Trafford, hopefully we're already through. So, but uh, Bayern will be a tough game. We all know that. I, I think our away form is more concerning to me than than actually the team we're playing. Um, but it'll it'll be it'll be a very interesting interesting time. Um, uh, yeah, it's it is going to be a difficult game. It really is. Yeah. Uh, well, thankfully for Dave, we can revisit his confidence this time next week because obviously I, I've got a full steam ahead preview in a game that still won't have taken place by the time we do next Monday's podcast. But we will be back to talk next week about the, the Brighton game. <coughs> Numbers, obviously, like I said, not my strong point, and obviously fixture scheduling, but it's good to talk anyway. I just wanted to keep the guys for a little bit longer because if we were only talking about the Brighton game, then it would have been a quite short podcast. Um, Patrick says in, in the comments... I'm sorry, Wayne. I, I I do have a question for Paul, if you don't mind. Um, Paul, with yeah. everything that's going on, at, everything that's going on at the club right now, um, everything that's happened last year with Ronaldo, um, and now obviously we're on it. When every time you every time you open up social media, there's something new about Manchester United that they have to deal with. Um, Eric Ten Hag is is obviously improved us a hell of a lot over the past season or so. If this continues and the sale of the club doesn't go through and we get to January and there's still restrictions on the managers you pointed out earlier on. Do you think there's a risk of Ten Hag walking away? If all that was to happen, I'd be, I think in a way, I wouldn't be shocked if he'd done it. I'd be disappointed if he didn't do it because he's still got a reputation to protect. Yeah. Nothing's been given to him. Why should he have Why should he have his career soured by Manchester United? Because it has soured a few a few managers who have managed them because they haven't been allowed to do what they do. So well and good sacking somebody when you don't get results. But when you haven't given that person the best tools to work with and you expect them to get on with it and then you make decisions when 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 you can and can't can't not buy players and then you turn around and say, Well you can't have him but you can have him when there's a big, big problem. So if things weren't to improve I wouldn't be shocked if he if he walked away from me. I think he'd be quite clever if he walked away, and I think he'd be respected for that because it opens up the door again to people to ask what's going on when a, ma- a manager of his magnitude walks away from the biggest club in the world, and that's not good again for Manchester United on the PR side of things. When Manchester United, where we talked about them being the best in football, that's what helped them get to where they were. But in that moment. <clears throat> We won that first Premier League title back in '93. That's where it started from. When da- when Danny McGregor came onto that pitch and was handing us out t-shirts, we're looking, what are they? That was called forward thinking to put those t-shirts on when after after that final whistle. No, no other team had done that before, 
and it was built on from there. So that's the bit they've got to be concerned about because yeah. you don't you don't do, you don't stay at the top if you're not working hard. And when you're working hard, I mean working hard on the football pitch. So the pitch is the most important place where you sell yourself first and foremost. And as good as Manchester United are on the PR side and how highly respected and how top of the tree they are in support and um, of selling of selling shirts, that falls away if you're not bringing things through the door, which are called trophies. Well, we got one last season, hoping for more this season um, and some more major than the one we got, obviously, as well. Um, good point um, made there by Paul. Um, to close on, Patrick says, I know they appreciate why, why Sir Alex was such a fierce protector of the club. So many pundits, experts and celebrities want to take pot, shot, pot shots of the club, sometimes unjustifiably. Seed mentality returns. Yeah, I mean, you can't say that, you know, obviously some of the, the criticism that's been levelled at the individuals over the last six weeks, you know, you can't complain about that because some of the actions of those individuals deserve that criticism. Um, but yeah, it does definitely feel like it's open season and everyone, I mean, nobody needs an excuse to have a pop at United, but when you give them it, they're going to go uh, full tilt and they have them. Um, it's our job as fans to sort of weather that storm and step up for the club and, and defend the club when, when, wherever we can. And obviously within the club, you want to see a reaction because this is where you'll see a test of character from the players and, and hopefully Tenor's tuned into that difficult, very difficult question to ask. And it's not um, it's not a criticism against him if he can't manage it because it's a very difficult profile. But if he can manage that and manifest it into something good like Fergie was always used to doing, then you know you've got the signs of something good. And hopefully we'll see something like that against Brighton at the weekend um, because it would be very welcome indeed if we do we'll be back next week to talk about that um game guys if you've watched live on youtube or facebook feel um really really appreciate your support if um you're watching the replay um comment because we do reply to the comments if you're listening back on the audio podcast if you can subscribe if you haven't already and leave a review on the platform you're listening on um those reviews really do mean a lot to us um so please do that we will be back next week guys so um Stay safe, stay well. Thanks for listening and watching. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hold up. 